0: My thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. There is no better group of plants for flower power
1: Than forms of the shrubby potentilla Producing single rose-like flowers Continually from
0: June to the first frost Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook. Here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. A really sharp ground frost this week uh, reminded me autumn is certainly here and after heavy rain, lots of the leaves are down. Once I finish this, uh, empty potting compost bags and a large plastic rake will be gathered from the shed. And uh, out onto the street to rake leaves. There's a uh, one road lined with London planes, ankle deep in leaves that need clearing before someone slips on them and damages an ankle. Uh, London planes have tough leaves, so they'll take uh, probably three years, uh, packed wet in my special meter cube bin, to rot down into very useful weed-free leaf mould. Beech, oak and birch are softer leaves and make better leaf mould, but needs must, you know, when the devil drives. And leaf mould is invaluable. It's a good soil improver. It's a good dilutant in potting composts when you're potting up big pots of things. And in partially decomposed state, it's very good for mulching. I'm very pleased to uh, welcome onto our podcast today, uh, repeat visit, Sarah Squire, the uh, chair of Squire's Garden Centres in the South East. Sarah, I was prompted to uh, persuade you to come on to our programme by some comments that you made in Garden Trade News. But first of all, how are you? Is life all right?
1: Life's very good. We're very fortunate, I feel at the moment, to be able to garden enjoying the autumn
0: and you're just back from a week walking in the devon moors is that correct
1: we were in dorset and it was absolutely lovely the sun didn't shine but it was warm and the villages were so pretty and it was lovely to get a blast of fresh air on, on the coast and inland so I uh, really enjoyed it
0: quite envious if i repeat some of these quotes uh, you say that uh, gardening was undoubtedly a lifesaver for many people during lockdown And garden habits have changed with people gardening more, trying new things, planting vegetables for the first time or growing new varieties of plants or getting around to doing jobs in the gardens. On the garden centres, are you noticing a different cross-section of people and different demands for things?
1: Yes, we are. And I think one of the interesting things that we found was we had people shopping with us after lockdown who didn't even know we were there. You know, we've been been there for, for donkey's years, so <laughs> there was a, a, an interesting gardening. I think from from a lot of new gardeners that sprang up during lockdown. Certainly, some of the recent research that we've done, you know, seventy seven percent of people said they did more gardening than they normally do during the lockdown period, and a massive thirty three percent they said they did ten plus hours a week during that period. And we'd asked the same question a year ago, and it was nine percent. So yet we're seeing some new converts to gardening. That's really encouraging. Not just for those of us in the industry, but actually for, for, for the UK as a whole, because it's such a fantastic hobby and so health giving and in many ways, you know, physically and, and mentally.
0: And are they still coming in? I mean, today in Essex it's a pretty miserable day, drizzly and rainy, uh, although over the weekend, last weekend, is, it was pretty good, actually. Are you still getting an increased number of people coming through and what are they looking for?
1: Well, we've, we've found that um, gardening sales have held up really really very well since we were uh, allowed to reopen and and we're very thankful for that having been shut um, you know during the peak season so we're incredibly thankful that that, that people are still coming in and it is gardening it's plants and gardening that they want it's not the gift ranges that's been very very encouraging hopefully for the industry as a whole as we go forward you know with any luck we've got a new generation who are inspired to get out there and and hopefully have got the bug one of the other results of the survey that we did was 25% of people said they were now more confident gardeners. Uh, I think that's that's very very encouraging.
0: We all need just a little bit of success, and if if you do sow something or plant something and it's successful well then it uh, encourages you to keep going very much so doesn't it?
1: Absolutely and I think that it is about achieving isn't it something that goes right and encourages you to try something else so I think there's an awful lot to be said for the tried and tested for those plants that have got the RHS Award of Garden Merit you know those f- names that w- that we all know Gertrude Jekyll in the Roses or whether it's a choicier Sundance or the things that are really going to work for people I think there's a great space for those.
0: In your quote you mentioned more people growing vegetables. Are you finding that our traditional and accepted gardeners are becoming a bit more adventurous and are these new gardeners sort of trying all kinds of crazy things? Um,
1: Well certainly we've seen uh, when people are thinking about vegetables lots of interest in well tomatoes and all those things you would expect but also there's been a lot of interest in chilies and perhaps some of the slightly more unusual varieties of things. So heritage tomatoes, yellow tomatoes, various varieties of chilli that we're selling as soon as we could get them in. And perhaps our palates are changing and we're liking hotter food, but um, that, that was certainly a trend. Sarah, and, not you know. all
0: of us. For... <laughs> <laughs> but I think we might be able to remind listeners that if they've got peppers, they can move them indoors or in a bit of protection before we have frost uh, and extend the life a bit. But what happened with things like um, autumn onion sets, uh, I always think that with the schools program, unfortunately we can't go to the schools at present, but in September, giving kids autumn onion sets, they're very easy to handle are our new recruited gardeners having a go at onion sets and garlic and things? Well,
1: they are, but the thing that was really apparent was the number of times we were getting asked for potatoes to grow in containers for Christmas. So there does seem to have been a, a trend towards people wanting to, to plant now for, for Christmas and that was probably more marked, I think, than the, the onion sets and the garlic because certainly going around the shop floor that, that was something that I noticed being asked for a lot. So um, that'll be interesting to see how those progress for people where they really can harvest their own spuds for Christmas Day.
0: And do you have any thoughts for the spring? I mean, presumably you, you'll you have uh, buying programmes and planning campaigns for uh, what we're going to do next year. Um, um, I'm finding the demands for advice increasing all the time.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting spring um, because obviously nurseries had such a hard time of it this spring and for, for a lot of the spring and summer it was quite interesting. So we couldn't get lobelia, for example, some of the time. So uh, there was a lot of campanula that I saw around being used in much the same way, some of the trailing campanula. So maybe it'll be back to slightly more steady state. One of the interesting things we found that was people were buying a lot of bulbs this autumn bulbs are, are up considerably and I think that was interesting because maybe people aren't being quite a short term you know maybe people have learnt a little bit of patience and about waiting you know planting bulbs now to flower in the spring so maybe we'll see that continue that'd be great to think that we we would see more of a, a long-term view about people and, and their gardens and uh, an understanding perhaps of, of nature and the seasons a bit more although having said that People were very, very much wanting to buy colour, uh, again to cheer us up, all those sorts of sorts of reasons. So I think what we're hoping for is hopefully that the nurseries will be back on four pelts and that we can all have a a very exciting spring, really, with all the beautiful spring plants that, that are available to us. But I would hope, I would really love to think that some people have got the planting bug this autumn because, you know, Peter, <laughs> and it's a hobby horse of, of mine, too, that the autumn is the time to plant. It's the best time to plant. And I love to think of that people might might really take that to heart and, and, and plant a lot this autumn.
0: Well, I'm very interested in your comments about spring flowering bulbs. Because last October, October 2019, October was pretty wet and um, bulb sales weren't quite as good as the trade overall hoped. In fact, one supplier gave me a tonne and a half to plant. At, for Fantasia the week before Christmas that was a bit of a mixed blessing uh, but when I went into my local garden centre the stocks of uh, spring flowering bulbs now look to be pretty low I mean are you going to sell out?
1: I think we will as we get later into the autumn and, and towards winter on clearing some of the bulb lines and I'm not sure that's going to happen this year because they have been very very popular and already a lot of the bulk packs have gone.
0: And there's still very good time isn't there for but the big bulbs, tulips and narcissus.
1: Plenty of time to plant and, and to get them at the right depth too, Peter, I think, isn't it? It's all about making sure, that, especially with tulips, they're not too shallow. And
0: Well, we're going to put in a rose bed with four standards. People don't seem to grow standard roses anymore, so we want to just show them how they can put a bit of height into a rose bed. We'll be doing that in a fortnight's time. And then we'll put really large bulbs beneath it. And if I do Darwin hybrids, they'll last 20 years, planted good and deep in amongst the roses.
1: Now, they're my father's favourites. And we always have a bit of a row about this because he loves the orange and the yellows and the reds. And I'm a bit of more of a pastel person myself. So you've dived into a family, <laughs> family disagreement there. People. Well, I'm of
0: the same age as your father, you know, the two percent that <laughs> this garden centre business about the same time. So... That, sh- that shouldn't be too surprising, although um, we did grow a variety which was very fragrant and almost a tan colour, so I don't know whether that would fit in with your past- pastel shades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but what about your own garden? Uh, do you garden?
1: We, we do, actually, and my husband is an obsessive gardener, and uh, he, he gardens You know, if he can't get out there in January, he's he's champing at at, at the bit. We're very much into the herbaceous and the pastel shades, more flowing, perhaps, designs.
0: And what's the star plant in your garden this year then, Sarah?
1: Oh, for me, it's always roses, Peter. has to be. I would never be without Gertrude Jekyll just because she flowers so prolifically. For me, she's always been really disease resistant. My new favourite, a climber, is I've had in for a couple of years. It's called Simple Life, and that's beautiful, open cupped flowers, perfect for insects. A lovely pale, sort of icing sugar pink. I really like that. So that the fairy is another rose that I've grown forever and really does very well. Flowers a bit later, but goes on right through into the autumn. And I've tried Vanessa Bell this year for the first time, so I'm very excited to see how she turns out. So, um, yeah, I love my roses. That's that's nothing better than deadheading some roses in the evening just to to get all the, rid of all the stress of the day. It takes it all away. So that that's the, the plants I wouldn't be without every time.
0: I'm with you 100% on that, yeah. Uh, Sarah, are there any uh, tips that you can give to New gardeners?
1: Yeah, we're very happy when people bring things back and we'll uh, hopefully talk them through it and we're very happy to replace it. It's often because it hasn't been correctly planted and usually because it hasn't been watered. Uh, And I think people do always underestimate how important it is to keep new plants watered during that first growing season and beyond. And I think the other thing that people often don't recognise is actually looking at the eventual height for something. So planting things too close together. And I'm guilty of it. I'm thinking, oh, I could just sneak something in there. <laughs> um, and, and then I end up with an issue because it's growing into its next door neighbour. So those are the sort of basic rookie things that uh, that often we're guilty of through in, through nothing more than Well-placed enthusiasm, really. But we, we have noticed people are very much into their
0: lawns. So, Sarah, what about a few tips on lawns?
1: So, well, we have noticed that a lot of people are reseeding their, their lawns, perhaps after some heavy wear over the summer. Certainly at this time of year, it's a great time to aerate the lawn, to, to scarify it by raking off all the dead leaves and, and debris that's that's caught up, aerate it with an aerator or a hollow-tined fork, literally putting little holes in the lawn to let the air in and the water in. Um, then um, it is possible also to use an autumn lawn feed. That would really help the lawn to, to cope over over the winter and set it off uh, well for the coming spring don't be tempted to use some leftover spring lawn feed because the formulation is different you don't want all that soft young growth coming up also it's a great time to to start new lawns whether from seed or, or turf while it's still nice and damp and again it can get off to a good start before the winter comes in
0: and just finally, garden centres uh, are quite heavily into Christmas. I'm quite blinkered and not too enthusiastic about that era of operation. Are you into Christmas now?
1: We are into Christmas now. We always get aim to be the Christmas departments open for half term. I'm a bit like you, Peter. You know, I, I, I'm very fond of autumn gardening. And uh, and so, you know, much rather be selling people bulbs that are going to turn into beautiful flowers next spring rather than baubles but um i think this year actually a bit of bling is a, is quite welcome this year peter a little bit of sparkle in our lives we all need some of that and uh, uh, and let's hope people have a good christmas and a
0: joyful christmas uh, thank you sarah you've certainly brought a bit of sparkle to our podcast look forward to seeing you on home ground fairly soon yeah. thank you thank
1: you very much peter it's lovely to speak with you
0: What's new this week? Well, a steady and increasing criticism of a column in BBC Gardeners World recommending gardeners do not buy mass-produced plants. Uh, all those grown in peat compost builds from every direction. Boyd Douglas Davis, a current president of the Horticultural Trades Association, described the comments as nonsensical. Many, if not all, of the smaller local nurseries get seedlings and rooted cuttings from mass producers. Very often uh, these specialists growing mother plants under uh, uh, stronger sunlight than we have in the UK in the winter. And when it comes to peat, some 0.4% of Irish peatlands are harvested for horticulture. So, why do environmentalists attack that 0.4% use? What about the 99.6%? Peat remains the best current material for potting composts, and if cutaway bogs are reflooded, the sphagnum grows again to make young sphagnum for composts. We need to uh, really see both sides of environmental arguments, and there's no question, peat if it's air-dried, can be compressed two and a half times to one, so it uses much less plastic as a wraparound. It is uh, less demanding on fossil fuels for transport, uh, quite apart from doing uh, a very good job. What's in the diary? Well, this week I've been to Majestic Trees near St Albans. What a treat to have seen so many lovely semi-mature trees in such variety, many of them in full autumn colour. One of the reasons for the visit was to select a tree to be planted in memory of Morro. A lovely man, working in the care industry, knocked off his motorbike and killed. A lovely Japanese flowering cherry was chosen to plant in the grounds of the residential home where he did such uplifting work. When that lovely tree flowers in spring, the lovely man will be remembered. The trees at Majestic uh, are all grown in uh, what are called air pots, Uh, that's containers that have holes in the sides that air prune roots. As, As the tree roots go through the side, they hit the air, and that prunes them. And so uh, a mass of fibrous roots are built up within the container. Uh, The compost does contain some peat, I hasten to add, and surely it's worth using a few litres of peat to grow trees which will tie up literally tonnes of CO2 and carbon. It's quite interesting to uh, walk those avenues of uh, really quite stately trees I mean, there'll be cedars that are, I don't know, 20, 30 foot tall, really lovely young oaks, apple trees, 10 or 15 years old, all cropping and uh, growing beautifully well. But what price, time? These trees will, uh, you know, have been propagated, grown up to three to five year size, and then potted on into containers, and of course need a very secure support, need skill in watering feeding and particularly in pruning and shaping just by the entrance there was a parotia a lovely tree that has rich autumn color but it had been what i think we can call cloud pruned i mean it was a really big well-established tree and each branch ended in a lollipop of growth i mean it was sculptured work of art. And I understand the price was uh, somewhere in the region of ten to £13,000. But really, if it's going to take you 15 or 20 years to grow it, it's the work of an artist. I hasten to add, uh, there are much more modestly priced trees. And if you're in a hurry and want to uh, put something that will give you a bit of privacy, perhaps something which you want to give instant effect, Then a trip just up the M1 a little way to Majestic Trees, I can tell you, is well worth the visit. I love to see nursery companies that grow things well and do things well. So congratulations to all those uh, staff at Majestic. On the Q&A front, I was uh, asked, is it too late to use lawn seed, and I hope not, because I'm using some this week, Uh, where the the mixture and most turf lawn seeds are mixtures of several different types that uh, intermix with one another to give you a strong, tough turf. But sowing at this time of the year, if you can just check to see that there's some dwarf-leaved perennial rye, if you get your specs on and read the small print, uh, you'll see percentages of the different kinds of grasses in the box. And uh, lolium, perenne, cultivars like uh, Monroe or Margarita, those are the kinds of things to look for. Fine-leaf ryegrasses were introduced from America in the 1960s, and they're quite different to the uh, ordinary perennial ryegrass, which is just used, of course, for cattle feed, you know, just grows to make hay. But the dwarf leaf perennial rise have rapid germination. They have a really good dark green colour. They're quick to establish even in cold conditions and wear tolerant. I mean, if you're buying turf, well then if you uh, get a really good brand like uh, Rolorn's Medallion, that will have some uh, fine leaf perennial rise in the mixture to give you a really good uh, And what about the tailpiece, having just celebrated a birthday for which I thank so many of you for kind messages, the quote this week from Joseph Breck. What exercise is more fitting or more appropriate of one who is in the decline of life than that of superintending a well-ordered garden? What more enlivens the sinking mind and what more is conducive to a long life? (laughs) I must get cracking, get in the garden. Uh, It needs to be uh, a little more (laughs) well-ordered. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw Worcestershire and to my producer Rich Jarman and of course to you for listening